Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. This is quarter number one of our show. And you know what, Dusty? We've talked about this in the past, I know. We are with each other through video, and you're allowed to put your name up on the screen to identify who that person is. So, of course, for me, it says, Jim, would you care to share with our listeners what it says on your side to identify you? Uh, Well, first, remember, I don't know, once upon a time when I had a new name every week, I gave up on that. I got tired of that. But seeing as I was a couple minutes late to this one because of a diaper explosion, that is my name, diaper explosion. And uh, you can call me that if you want. Um, I don't care. It's sort of like the same phonetics as my actual name. So go for it. And just to clarify to our audience, the diaper explosion was not yours, Dusty, but a new addition to the Hawkinsmith household. Yeah, we've we've held off on really talking about it too too much, but um, about four weeks ago we we adopted, and uh, that put an end to about three years of of that process of waiting, and really about nine years of trying to grow our family. So that that's happened, and we're getting. Uh, I mean, it's been awesome. Uh, we had about I don't know seventy two hours notice to to get it done. So uh, it's been really five action packed weeks. And yeah, one diaper explosion at a time. That's my philosophy in life now. (laughs) One explosion at a time. Well, very much congratulations to you and Liz. And Autumn now has a little sister. It's all fantastic. And congratulations to you, Dusty, for that. All right, let's move on from that happy topic. Let's get to our show. And I'll tell you what, Dustin, we got a fun topic for today that I want to start with. And first of all, let me just start by saying this was not my original idea. This came from an article I read on The Athletic from Andy Staples. So I'm cheating. I'm plagiarizing. Yep, that's it. I'm just like your president. I, I plagiarize, okay? <laughs> but Oh, we're getting, what, we're getting political too. This is spicy. <laughs> I like it. With the, with the article, it was where he was taking questions. And there's some fantastic questions that they get. Now, it's not the quite the level of Ask Andy or Ask T. Frank, but they are good questions. And the question came from a Georgia fan that I want to place to you. And it originally came in a couple of years ago when he revisited it. And what it was is what teams, if they were given this option, Dusty, they have their choice. Two options. One is your favorite team is guaranteed exactly one national championship over the next 20 years or you just let the chips fall where they may and it turned into an interesting exercise now the the person the fan who sent in the question was a georgia fan sent it in two years ago because georgia hadn't won a national championship in something like 40 years at the time You might think, hey, as a Georgia fan, I'll take that one championship. And here we are two years later. And guess what? They have two championships. So it's an interesting question. Let me start with this, Dusty. How many teams out there would just say, you know what? Forget the guaranteed single championship. I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. 
Well, how many, th- you know, I think the, the list that we're talking about, first of all, I love this topic. We talked about it off the air and we said, Hey, we got to, we got to, um, address this, you know? And, and yeah, like, I think a lot of people say that in this business, you know, it's creative theft is, is pretty common. And I don't think it's theft whenever you say, Hey, you answer this question. I think it's Andy Staples for the athletic from a national perspective. We're really going to dive in and look at this more from a Penn state perspective and whether they should or shouldn't take that deal. Um, but I think the list that we're talking about is the same one that we've been talking about as dominating college football over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, which is Georgia. Now, um, Alabama, uh, I think Ohio State would not and should not take that deal. Uh, Clemson probably wouldn't, even though they're on a little bit shakier turf now than they once were. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of teams would have the bravado not to take the deal, uh, but but probably should. And Penn State really, you know, is on that bubble, I think, of whether that deal makes sense or whether it doesn't, considering what's it been, 30-plus years since the last national title here, and some reason to believe that it can happen you know, in less than 20 years, some reason to believe that it can happen multiple times over the next 20 years, but also plenty of reasons to be suspicious of that, Uh, two big reasons being Michigan and Ohio State. So I think what we're going to do is look at all the reasons that you maybe make a push for it, all the reasons that maybe you don't. Honestly, by the end of this discussion, I think I'll have made my mind up because I don't know what I would say to that question just yet. I want to talk through it with you therapist style. Well, let's, let's get some background information here, Dusty. Let's go back 20 years and see how many teams won more than one national championship. And it's a handful. It's just Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. I think those are all the obvious ones. LSU, though, also goes in there. And I don't know if can we sneak Ohio State in there because they're like at 21 years. Yeah. Uh, I think so. I mean, that's that's them being who they are and recruiting the way that they are. That's a tiebreaker. You get you get the you get the one year benefit of the doubt. I think. Let Let's give that to Ohio State, and you know me, Dustin. I'm not going to look at this just to, at the surface level. Let's dig into the history a little bit deeper. Let's go then to the previous 20 years. Okay, so that yeah. we have two 20 year blocks. And in the last uh, 20 years, counting Ohio State, there's five teams that had multiple national championships. The previous 20 years, how many do you think there were? Um, I'll say uh, to win multiple, I would say that there's maybe, uh, there's more. I'm going to say seven. Okay. There were actually five. Okay. Same number. Yep. How much crossover do you think there were? There was. How many teams were in that from you know forty years ago to twenty years ago, and then the most recent twenty years of those five th- and five schools? How much? I crossover? don't think much. You got to have what, like Florida and Nebraska are two of the five, right? Yep. Or am I wrong? Okay. Um, so yeah, there. No, they're no, probably no, no. Much. I'm sorry. I'm they're sorry. Not. No, Florida. Florida was not in there. Okay, but Nebraska was. Nebraska was, um, 
man, who, who and feel Florida free State? at home to play along with us. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can read the letter. I don't think we need to uh, fill up time re- me guessing, but yeah, read, read it. But I, I, I think the, the point that you're demonstrating here is that like, as we sit here in this moment, we feel like the power structure as it is right now, and this is, remains a, a conversation as you're talking about college football playoff expansion, the power structure as we see it now, we, we it feels like it's going to be forever, right? But this is historical proof that, you know, everything's temporary in this game. It, it Exactly it. And there, there's a shot that, that there is a power shift going on. Has We've seen, you know, a chink in the armor at Clemson. Um, you know, Georgia seems to have overtaken Alabama out of the Southeast Conference, and they are the number one team now, I believe. Um, so it, are things changing? Just to answer the question in that previous 20 years, Nebraska, how about Florida State? How about Miami? How about Oklahoma? Yep. Do you know who the fifth one is? I don't. I don't. How about Virginia Tech? No. How about Penn State? Penn State. Okay. What's what's the t- what's the time frame? So we're looking at 2022 to 92, and now we're looking at 91 to 71. Is that the 20 years? No, to two thousand, like 80 to 2000. Okay. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And interestingly enough, in there, if you go from that time span from like 79 to 94. I didn't count it officially, but 94, Penn State had the undefeated team, really was the best team in the country, but didn't get the opportunity. If you want to count yeah. that one, and they in 79 and in the 85, they played in the national championship game and lost. So in that essentially 15-year span, five times they were either national champion or finished second. Yeah. So, there was in the not too distant past the time when Penn State was there. My point for bringing that all up, and there is a point here, Dusty. Yeah, is yeah, it, the world does change in college football, even though right now we feel like it, it's not going to. Yeah, and I think um, LSU is a wild one for the, the for this current twenty year stretch, because I feel like with um, less miles, and then. You know, with that Orgeron and that Joe Burrow team, like those things came out of nowhere. So, like, I think LSU among all those teams that could be in this conversation has the most variance in in outcomes. You know, they're explosive one way or the other. But, um, but yeah, this is. I mean, Nick Saban leaves. He retires. Let's say if that ever happens and that's, that's, that's not entertaining the idea that he might be a robot because I'm not ready to rule that out. Um, you know, that, that changes things, you know, we're having all this different conference, uh, shifts and Texas and Oklahoma moving to the sec, you know, that kind of impacts one way or the other. And then I think Georgia and Alabama being those co monsters that they are, they're interesting because, you know, like only one can be an SEC champ, and maybe some years it's not going to be either one of them. But the and then maybe they end up on the same side of the bracket in this expand expanded twelve team field. Well, we're going to hit the twelve team bracket in a little bit here, but it's interesting you brought up LSU. You brought up uh, teams changing conferences. How about big time coaches changing jobs? We yeah. saw you mentioned LSU. 
they just got a big name came in to take over their their team. Uh, it, Kelly went there. How about Lincoln Riley going off to USC? Does that not give you some hope if you're an LSU or a USC fan that they could reach that next level? With all, the the jobs changing as quick, like Brian Kelly left Notre Dame a destination job for another destination job. You know, Lincoln Riley left one destination job for another destination job. That does give you some kind of feeling in addition to the transfer portal and all the different changes with name image likeness, all the stuff going on can really tilt the balance uh, the, of power uh, quicker now than ever before. So I think this 20 year window, boy, it's, it may, it, it makes the conversation an interesting one. It really does, and there's a lot more to talk about it. Like we said, we were going to bring up some of those those other topics, especially the expanded playoff and what effect that has. So we're going to pick up this conversation in quarter number two. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. Dustin, we started our show in quarter number one. Talking about the question that I put to you, which is, if you're a Penn State fan and you have your choice, you could have a guaranteed national championship in the next 20 years or just let the chips fall where they may, which would you select? And so we're we're building up to that. We're looking at some of the background. We talked about how it does change. We found out from, you know, the last 20 years and then the previous 20 before that, Teams with multiple national championships, there was five in each one of those 20-year spans, and they were completely different teams. So now you look at it, and I alluded to like 94 when Penn State had the undefeated team but didn't get a chance to win a national championship. 
because those lousy, stinking Big Ten voters voted for Nebraska instead of Penn State. The world changes. We went to then a championship game, you know, 14 playoff, and now we're going to go to a 12-team playoff. So the question becomes, what effect does that have on your answer, whether it is Penn State or another team? Well, I mean, it, it changes the math, you know, and, and the conversation is interesting around, okay, the, the field expands to 12, but the idea that only, you know, two to four teams on any given year actually still have a chance to win it anyway, like that, there's still that, but there's also, you know, when, when eight more teams get the opportunity, now you're talking about, I think over the longer term, better distribution of talent, um, you know, see, I identifying that, that, you know, other programs have better mathematical odds to get there because you're in the running, you have a chance to, to spring an upset or whatever. So I think that's going to maybe shake up the power structure a little bit. Anyway, I, I wouldn't expect overnight dramatic change, but, um, but I, I would expect, um, some kind of shift there. Um, by the way, I do have my answer to this question and, it, it started right as we, we kicked off segment number two. It don't, there's two big reasons, you know, for me to go with, with, with my answer and I'll, and I'll touch on that, but, um, but yeah, we're moving into this, this grand new era here where Penn state should be a perennial player in that 12 team field. They've been just outside that 14 field a few times. And I think they're going to be, you know, including this past season, they're going to be in that 12 team mix. And I think, you know, high school prospects and, and transfer prospects are going to notice that and view Penn State as maybe one of those teams in very good position to take the next step. Well, my take on it, Dusty, is let's let's categorize teams as there's that elite elite, you know, that top three or four teams. And we know every year as Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and it was Clemson for several years. So. I think the 12-team playoff hurts them because all it does is adds that extra layer of playoff games where they there might be an upset. I think if you're that team that's you know from number 5 to 12, like Penn State and like some other teams who fall into that category, and until the last two years, Michigan was in that category, okay? And believe it or not, this past year, Alabama was in that category. So I think for those teams, it gives them an improved chance of winning the championship that they wouldn't have had before. They would have already been eliminated. I think if you're Penn State, I'm not sure Penn State is ready to join that elite, elite group, especially, like you said, with Michigan and Ohio State in the same conference as them. You have to climb over them to get in the playoffs right now. And... Typically, only one of those three teams will make it. It was an outlier this year that both Michigan and Ohio State made it. Going to a 12-team playoff, very good chance all three of those teams get in. So yeah. I think it does improve the likelihood. So let us let me put it to you this way now. Let's talk about Penn State specifically. Give me first your reason to just take that guaranteed one year Give me your reason to say, let the chips fall where they may, and then you could tell us your, your answer. So one reason to, uh, to take the one title in, in, in 20 years is, um, you know, you mentioned Michigan and Ohio state, 
Penn State doesn't exactly have the crispest track record of beating teams that are as good as them or better, right? So equally ranked or or higher ranked, uh, equal teams or better. And, you know, you know, that's something that they have to sh- demonstrate that that they're changing, that James Franklin has to demonstrate that is changing. And that includes Michigan and, o- and Ohio State. But also, you know, like looking at USC in, in the uh, Rose Bowl uh, in, in after the 2016 season, you know, they've had some good performances elsewhere. But that's one area where it's like, OK, you know, they have to demonstrate that they can beat other elite teams before you're really ready to put them in that national championship category. That would be my one kind of hold off. That's not related to college football as a whole. That's just related to Penn State. The one reason for and I can think of some other reasons, too, but the one reason for um, I think is where Penn State is right now is where Penn State fans would hope that they were going to get. You're on the cusp of having the most talented quarterback you've ever had uh, under James Franklin, for sure. The most talented quarterback you've ever had who's demonstrated real uh, competence at, at the skills to be a good quarterback. And you're going into that era. And the idea of that era being parlayed into another era with another elite quarterback. This is what everybody's been waiting for. And I know, you know, you're in the midst of it now. You're in the throes of it. You, you still don't know exactly what Drew Aller is going to do. And if you've got the right team to really make a run in 2023, there's good reason to believe it. But this is where everybody wanted Penn State to be. And, and uh, you can't ask for much more of an opportunity. Like if Drew Aller is the real deal. And if they develop him and this offense goes nuts next year or, or even in 2024 or both, then the odds of getting that next five star are very, are a lot stronger now than they were a few years ago, even. So they're, they're in this stretch where they can change their uh, position in that college football playoff structure, you know, now more so than ever. And then, you know, the other reason that has le- has less to do with Penn state and more to do with probably overthinking this exercise. All right. So I'm trying to think like, how are you in position to make this choice? And I picture like a genie saying, okay, this is a real devil's choice here. You know, you on one hand, you have one title in 20 years, but only one, one title. And on the other hand, you just let, let the chips fall. If you as a fan are picking one title in 20 years, can you imagine how torturous it would be to watch that team for 20 years wondering and overthinking like, Oh, that's a good sign. I wonder if this is the one all that time. <laughs> it's like, if you're, if you are watching a game after the fact and you know how many, pen, how many points Penn state scored before, or you know, the outcome of the game, it changes the experience. Right? So I think logistically, you know, again, overthinking it, I wouldn't want to be that fan who knows that amount of information about the outcome. I would rather let the chips fall. I don't think in this exercise and towards <laughs> overthinking it, I don't think it's like, okay, your wish is granted. That's going to happen. So if you win in year one, you know you're not going to win at all in the next 19 years. I think it's more of a, you know, that hypothetical and you still haven't answered the question. So which way are you going to go? Option one, where you're guaranteed one and only one championship or letting the chips fall where they may. I would let the chips fall. Um, there's there's a lot you still don't know about what's going to happen in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I, I think, you know, this power structure that we've talked about was going to dissolve at some point anyway. Um, coaching changes, all this stuff, but all the different potential for changes is out there um, elsewhere. I also really like what Penn State has been doing and what they've been, you know, off the field. 
the amount of investment that's going on there, you know, there's, there's going to be uh, some kind of change at Beaver Stadium and there's facility upgrades and uh, money being spent by the new AD, uh, where they're at program wise, where they're so loaded with, with um, elite young players at, at um, really important positions, including quarterback. Uh, that I would just let the, I would just let the chips fall. And you made a good point when we talked about this last week too. Is that you know winning a national title or not doesn't mean that you can't enjoy a season. Um, and I think um, 2016 is a perfect example, you know, of what you get into watching college football for. You know, you have the the story seemed to have been written right after they they lose in heartbreaking fashion against Pitt. They get blown out by Michigan and you think, okay, this, this, this season's going down the toilet. Right. And then the second half against Minnesota happens and this spark get, ignites and not to mention, you know, you get Saqu- you get treated to Saquon Barkley and you get so many moments along the way, the comeback in the big 10 championship game, Saquon Barkley's run in a losing game in the Rose bowl against USC, that iconic run. You know, you you can get you can reap the rewards of, of college football fandom and viewership without while still knowing that your team's not going to win a national title. And I think ultimately uh, letting the chips fall feeds into that enjoyment factor more so than than guaranteeing one championship and only one. And categorize this too, Dustin, as me now overanalyzing the question. <laughs> but I, I'm going to go back to those sanction years when winning any game meant something, okay? Because they could potentially lose any game. And it's always made me wonder, if you're Alabama, you know, the regular season, all 12 games are almost like exhibition games. They don't matter. You just expect to win. The only thing, emotion you could feel is being upset if they actually lose a game. So how much fun could that be? But it kind of shifted my thinking. I enjoyed those seasons because every win I savored and I try now to do that. And I, I, I fear that fans are going into this season saying it's a two game season, you know, Ohio state and Michigan. And it shouldn't be that way. We should be able to enjoy a game against West Virginia. You play Iowa at home in September, enjoy those games. And if you have that 12 team playoff, the nice thing is you don't want to lose to them, but if you lose to Michigan and Ohio State, you can still be in this 12-team playoff, and you still have more to look forward to. So that is my very long way of saying I'll choose option two also and let the chips fall where they may, Dusty. Oh, you just got to get hot for the playoffs, you know, and that's a good point about, you know, watching games with everything to lose and nothing to gain, you know, and that's where you get to when you're when you're a fan of Georgia or Alabama right now. And I think just to your broader point about the playoff structure, if you got to play three, two, three, four games in a row, that ups the odds that you're going to not show up and maybe your opponent does, you know, making it a two week season in the playoff showing up is, is easier than if you have to, than you have, if you have to do it four times in a row. Well, I. I still I cannot wait until we reach 24 and have 12 playoff teams. It's going to be spectacular, Dusty. All right, we answered the question. Let the chips fall, fall where they may. We have a lot more to go. Stick around for quarter number three. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante. He is Mr. Diaper Explosion. Or to his good friends, you we just call him Diaper. All right, Dusty, we spent the first two segments talking about the hypothetical question if you had your choice of a guaranteed championship, one, and exactly one over the next 20 years, or letting the chips fall where they may, where would you go with Penn State? I know you had one last thought you wanted to add. Well, I think just in general, I think Penn State's blue chip ratio um, and how that stacks up with the with the big boys is becoming more favorable because they had those two years, Jim, 2020 and 2021, that really weren't up to par through the uh, pandemic and through all the digital recruiting and, and all that stuff. And I think the last two years kind of show where Penn State can go in addition to that, what they've done in the transfer portal. So I think Penn State in a number of ways is trending up, and that includes the very foundation of and how its, its roster is comprised. This looks more and feels more like a championship-type team now than certainly it did a couple years ago, and, not, and that goes beyond the record. And, and I think, Dusty, the way to lo- I look at it anyway is you're as good at running back as anyone in the country potentially as good as anyone in the country at quarterback. Yeah. Almost as good as anybody in the country at tight end, defensive end, linebacker, defensive backs. And these are young players who are going to be around for a couple years. So that gives us reason to pick option two. And Dustin, I'm going to use that commentary as the segue into our next topic, which is talking about the class of 23. And certain are, are superlatives for this. You know, who's the best, who's the biggest sleeper, who could have the most impact and all of that. But what I think is interesting, Dusty, is a year ago, that wonderful recruiting class that it, it, we saw it on the field. We saw impact at running back. We saw impact at left tackle. We saw impact at linebacker. 
we feel like we're going to get impact from that class at quarterback. Now, what's interesting is looking at this class, the best position group coming out of this class, it's not the quarterback, it's not the running back. If anything, those are at the lower end, which is just fine. The talent's already there. It's that offensive line. So let's start there. You know, what is the best position group? I already answered it for you, but you could go ahead and give your opinion. Yeah, I, I, again, I mean, I think I said it last week and I've said it before, you know, this group that they put together uh, in the 23 class is James Franklin's best ever. Um, Javen Williams, uh, a five-star by on three. Alex Birchmeyer, who at least a high four-star. I don't know where he, he is specifically across the board, but as an interior offensive lineman, that one-two punch, and just looking at the 24-7 sports composite rankings, two of the top 52 players in the country, two of the top six players at their respective positions in the same class where Williams is just such an outstanding athlete that he's able to make the game look easy. Uh, Birchmeyer being a very, very polished player. And then you go ahead and add um, late in the game. Um, you know, you had Anthony Donko committed. You add late in the game. Um, the the kid from Maryland, Chimney Ono, uh, who uh, is 6'5", 270 as an offensive tackle. He's one of the top 20 offensive tackles in the country. So that group, you know, I, I looked at the 2018 group, which had, um, you know, at the time was even more promising than what it ended up being with Rashid Walker. Nana Sidu never played a down at Penn State um, because of a heart issue. And Juice Scruggs, who last year emerged as a really important piece. Uh, these guys are more talented than that group was. And, you know, and they're also arriving at a point where there's not such rampant suspicion about develop player development and performance along the offensive line. There was a good performance and a lot of those pieces are back. Now you're just adding these guys and you think, you know, the machinery is in place. Now uh, the machinery is in place now where, where this group can sustain and get better than what it was last year. What I like too, Dustin is like, I said, it's like, it's a complementary group to what you got in 22. Because you got a couple great running backs, you didn't have to get a great running back in this one. Because you got a great quarterback and a re real good second quarterback last year, you didn't need to emphasize that. But you needed to build this offensive line, and they did. I will, just because I want to throw in another position group to, just for a counterpoint, how about linebacker, Dusty? Yeah. Tony Rojas is a top 100 player. Tamir Robinson might have been a top 100 player if he wasn't hurt and, you know, has the size to play middle linebacker, which is sometimes a question. Then maybe forgotten a little bit is Kavion Keys, who's another really athletic four-star linebacker. And I'll just throw in, because I know you're going to throw this name at me later on at another position. But Mike Dakari Nelson also end up a linebacker. He gives the staff uh, an option to, uh, depending on where his growth goes, and that's the that's the interesting thing about the way that they've recruited. And by the way, like I think last year's success with immediate uh, opportunity and immediately being up for it, I think kind of bodes well for you know the intangible type stuff that Penn State's looking for in in guys. They have found they found guys in the 22 class and I think there's quite a few of them in 23 as well 
that have more of a professional outlook on things, that have expectations for themselves, that are self-starter types. These are all things that Penn State is looking for and I think has, has kind of clicked this this class and the previous class as far as being you know being ready for that. But Dakari Nelson, you know, where they're they're in a position, you know, because they've recruited well and because there there's no urgency to force him one way or another, they can start him one place, see how his, how he responds to uh, strength and conditioning, see if there's more growth in him, see if he adds weight easily or if he doesn't add weight easily. There's a lot of variables out there, but I think he can be an excellent player in either place, safety or linebacker. He's going to start at safety and see what happens. But this linebacker group as a whole, you know, talk about machinery. You know, we had some doubts about this position last year. You know, last year we were having a conversation about needing one of those true freshmen to emerge and play an important role. We didn't really see quite to that you know level from Abdul Carter, but he's been outstanding. Curtis Jacobs comes back. The two middle linebackers they were using both come back, and it looks like Kobe King maybe has another gear that he can reach. Now you add this group too, and uh, I wouldn't say it's an embarrassment of riches. That might be overstating it, but there are no questions right now about the linebacker position um, and, and where they're going with it. And KV on keys, boy, I mean, they didn't need to add another linebacker, but they really liked the player and they were able to get, you know, one of those best available guys in there. And so now you've got a lot of great depth at linebacker. It, it definitely has stepped up. All right, Dusty, how about this one? Who are your sleepers? I like Cameron Wallace, the the running back and and the speed back that they got. Um, kind of a long, lankier back. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, they didn't need to get an elite running back in this class. They didn't need to get an elite quarterback in this class. And I know that there are some programs that get an elite one every single class, but that's also kind of a recipe for 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 forcing guys out. You know, there's a delicate balance between having you know, well-stocked talent and having an, such an abundance of talent that you can't possibly make all of them happy. So I think what they did in this class was, A, I really like London Montgomery, who I don't think will be a factor in 2023. But then you add Wallace, who is more of a complementary piece to what you've already got, um, maybe can feel like the Devin Ford type role because there is only two scholarship running backs on the roster right now, the odds of getting through the 23 season without needing somebody else uh, aren't all that great. You know, you love, uh, um, you know, you love uh, Katron Allen and, and Nick Singleton, but somebody else has to emerge as a possibility. And I think that might be Cameron Wallace. So I think what they were looking for and what they got in this class were, it was a pretty good pairing adding Wallace pretty late in the game. So that's on offense on defense. Uh, James Franklin went out of his way to mention Tyreek Blanding. Nobody asked him about him. Uh, nobody brought him up uh, during the signing day, you know, availability with him. But this is a kid who I really liked the way that he played and uh, his pad level. He played low, had good leverage. He's 6'3", 275. He's not that far off from maybe being um, being a, a, a good role player. Um, but I think, you know, these are two of the lowest rated players in the class. And I think they're in a pretty solid position, actually to get on the field, maybe not in 23 in Blanding's case, but to play a role. I don't think Blanding's going to be a star. I don't think Cameron Wallace is going to be a star, but I don't think Penn State recruited either one of them to be stars. When you mentioned, when I mentioned Sleeper, and you brought up guys who have a chance to play right away in Cameron Wallace, 
but I'll mention London Montgomery again. I think he got a little bit lost in the shuffle because he was injured his senior year. It's easy um, to happen. He, yes, yeah. if he could stay healthy. But I'm going to give another one. I don't know if this is fair to call him a sleeper, but I love him and his chance to play is Andrew Rappelier, the tight end. He just looks ready to play already. And yeah. the fact that they have these formations, and we did a, a, a special segment on the T formation. We had a guest in to talk about it. It got my adrenaline going for that T formation, Dusty, and three tight ends. So I wouldn't be surprised if Rappelier gets some playing time because of that. Who's going to have the biggest year one impact, Dusty? I love King Mac. Uh, I love the name. I love his game. <laughs> um, you know, he he has such great speed, but also just like, you know, Florida swagger, um, instincts for the position. He knows what he's doing out there. He's confident. Uh, I think he can play on special teams, whether it's in punt return, kick return, or just as a, as a um, regular special teamer. Uh, there's, there is a bit of a need there. You know, I don't think Penn state will be hurting necessarily if King Mac doesn't play right away, but I think all these things, like he is a very college ready prospect and Penn state doesn't need him to be that six two, two 210 pound safety. You know, he's more like five ten, five eleven, 180 pounds. He's, he's, he's built more like a cornerback, but he plays safety. I think Penn state can use that. Uh, use that range, use that coverage ability, put him in unique positions to use that speed too. Uh, I think he's just too good of a player with a very premium tool that really plays. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field, even though he's not going to arrive until springtime. I think, uh, Dusty, on defense, they play so many people, rotate so many. If you're on the two deep, it's like you're a starter. Okay. Yeah. So if you get these premier athletes coming in, and I'm looking at Tony Rojas, King Mac, even Elliot Washington, you don't know which one of them is just going to be that guy that uh, Manny Diaz is going to say, you know what? There's some special talent there, whether it's rushing the quarterback, whatever it is to get onto the field, he'll find a way to do it. That's it for quarter number three. We have several more superlatives to talk about. Stick around for that in quarter number four. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Dustin, our show is brought to you by 409 Tailgate Club. Com. All your barbecue needs, the rubs, the sauces, the Bloody Mary mix, everything you need to throw on a great tailgate party, anything you need for barbecuing, it's 409tailgateclub.com. Trust me, it is the best. All right, Andrew. Andrew, listen to me. I'm thinking of Andrew because uh, Andrew is our contact at 409 Tailgate Club, and I was on I was on the phone with him this weekend. We were talking about a lot of different things, including uh, he has some ideas for new uh, new products, which got me all excited. So I had well, Andrew on the brain. He he wishes he were me, Jim. He wishes. <laughs> Well, you know what? We have to get Andrew on the show one of these weeks. I I love those guys. That. that that that's a whole that's a whole another layer to the four hundred nine tailgate club stuff. Is that if they were able to market it and you, you buy a product, you get you get them at your tailgate, <laughs> they would be billionaires by now because they are such a good time. And Andrew on the grill is an awesome place to be. That benefits everybody. I can't make any announcements, but you may be doing some foreshadowing there, Dusty. Ooh, okay. how about that? Just We're going to leave it at that for now. Okay. Let's get back to our class of 23 superlatives, though. You know, we talked about the best position group. We talked about our sleepers, who's going to have the biggest impact year one. Who are your physical freaks coming out of this class? That's always a fun topic. Yeah, I mean... uh, a lot of this was is without seeing or knowing the full scope of their testing. You know, Penn State does that. They know it very, very well. We're kind of um, left out in the cold, so to speak. But some of these guys that have already enrolled in classes, we, we'll probably get a good feel for where they're at um, from a physical standpoint. But just looking at dimensions and what we've seen on film and stuff, I've got – um, I'm, I, I sent you three names. I'm going to add a fourth. Um, the, the tight end, Andrew Appelier, you know, no. for, that, for him, I'm, I'm still your guy. He's my God. <laughs> All right, I, go ahead. Uh, I, I wouldn't compare his game necessarily to Pat Fryermuth, but the, from where he's coming from, uh, in the upper Northeast, uh, the way that he's been viewed as a prospect as a very, very good one, but not an elite one. Um, and, and just kind of like the, the big time skills that he's got, like the 39 inch vertical really jumps off the page to me, you know, that's kind of screams and, and whether that has a, a real great functional purpose on a football field, the jumping ability, I I'm obviously there are some situations. Uh, I just think it's a really good indicator of how athletic he really is. And so I think that athleticism, you know, you brought him up as, as a year one type guy, there's certainly going to be an opportunity for that. Um, and if he is, you know, developmentally uh, following a similar path to Fryermuth, he will play in year one. Um, but Javen Williams, the offensive tackle, 6'4", 285, he moves like a tight end. Um, and I think he's going to he's gonna take 
uh, adding another 10, 15 pounds really, really well. Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what, to what extent does he push the Penn State coaching staff? He's there on campus now. I'm sure they're going to be wowed by what he can do. There's not really a need on paper necessarily for a, a freshman offensive tackle to throw his hat into the ring, but I think he might just force it. Um, Penn State's in good shape at tackle, but they could be a great shape at tackle with him. Uh, Dakari Nelson is another one. Uh, I'd love to see what his wingspan is because that is a long, long safety uh, who I think has a physical ability to stay at safety or, as, as we talked about last segment, maybe move to linebacker if he grows out of that or if Penn State feels like that's a better place for him. And then we also talked about King Mack, you know, that elite speed, uh, the full package of skills. You'd, you'd love to see him a little bit bigger, but I think he's going to be just fine at 5'11", 180, 190 at safety. They can ask him to do certain things that stick to his strengths, and maybe that's not run support. Maybe maybe he's got a, a, a more narrow um, scope of responsibility as maybe a, a, a pass first guy. So I think those guys really jump off the page, but I think there are some others in this class too. Let me give you two names that I, I will put out there. One of them is Alex Birchmeyer. And let me tell you what, what I like about him as being the athletic freak. An all-state wrestler, Dusty, at 285. Yeah. You're the wrestling guy. Those guys, they're freaks. And he won those state championships at being a sophomore and a junior, left high school early, so he's not going to have a chance to be a three-time state champion. Give me an offensive lineman who's capable of being a state champion wrestler. He's athletic, and he's a freak. And the one other freak, and I'm going to kind of stay on that side of the ball too, is Mega Barnwell. Any guy named Mega who's as big as this kid is and can legitimately play tight end, oh, but also might be either an offensive tackle or a defensive tackle, that, my friend, is a freak. So yeah. those are the names I'm going to throw throw out there. And talk about options, um, Jim. Talk about options. Like I, I think they're starting him at tight end. But if he, you know, if, if he responds in a certain way to the nutrition and strength and conditioning, and he he gets up to two sixty five or something, then you got options there too. I think it's going to be really fun to see what Penn State does with him. It really is. And if he's you know commit, he's got the frame to carry more weight. We know that. But we also know he's capable of playing a position like tight end. So, and that that transition from tight end to offensive tackle happens a lot, and it's happened yeah. over the years a lot. We may see that happening. And if he just pays attention to those paychecks that NFL tackles get, okay. If he watches next year when Fashnu gets signed as a first round draft pick. He might just raise his hand and say, hey, coach, how about letting me play tackle? That That's part of it. All right, let's do a, more an overall picture. What do you think of as the biggest storyline from the class of 23? Well, we talked about the offensive line, but that that to me is, is the number one storyline. Um and, you know, I think the, the class itself, you know, ranking number 14 nationally, I think it's a really, really good class, but it's not like a, hey, we gained ground on Georgia class. But if you have a class that that's pretty diverse, um, that runs pretty deep with high end talent and it has a calling card of, of maybe boosting Penn State's chances in the trenches, 
that's a pretty good uh, thing for where Penn State is right now. You know, they've got to get a little bit better in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and they do it with this class for sure. So I think I think that one, and I just I, I love these um, Southern defensive backs. Um, they they lost one Conrad Hussey, I think, to Florida State. Um, scooped him up. Uh, who was committed before, but they they picked another one up in Elliott Washington, who could be a cornerback or a safety. King Mack at safety, Dakari Nelson, um, and his length that's at safety. I think that's a really good group and something that uh, offers some encouragement, you know, uh, about Penn State's ability to recruit outside its normal footprint and be able to get some of these big time guys from the South and get them up to State College and 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 bring some unique skills and some speed. Uh, to their defensive back room. Okay, what were the negatives, Dusty, with this class? I mean, I think every single class you want to have uh, a high-end defensive tackle. And, you know, we talked about uh, Tyreek Blanding being a sleeper and and 6'3", 275. I think his ceiling uh, has some limitations to it maybe where, you know, to get a high four-star defensive tackle – I think should be a yearly objective and some years, you know, your region or your state supports that more so than others. I think where Penn state's depth chart is, it wasn't exactly an urgent need, but you have to keep that pipeline continuously fed. And I think whether Penn state has a big time defensive tackle on their depth chart right now is really the question. You know, I, I think they have depth and they have bodies and they've got guys that um, were, were solid recruits in the past. But do you have somebody who can take P.J. Mustafer's place? I think getting one of those every cycle um, is, is a good place to be. They didn't get one here, but uh, I don't think it's a deal breaker or anything. But I, I, I feel like that should be the goal. And they didn't hit that goal. So I, I think maybe that's a bit of a disappointment. I think the other one, Dusty, is that wide receiver. And you look at it, and I think it may be why we've seen a coaching change there, because virtually every other position, you know, we're talking about in a very excited way, the whole defensive backfield. We talked about linebackers, maybe not at defensive tackle, but you got the defensive ends. The offensive line seems to be turning a corner. Yeah, maybe you didn't get the big time quarterback this year, but you got one or two the year before. Same thing, you got two of those elite running backs. Tight end, they just seem to reload. Wide receiver just seems to be the one where we're just not seeing that yet. I think if if you as a program have urgency to go get multiple guys off the transfer market at one position, then you didn't do your job well enough to to keep that pipeline fed. And that's developing the high-end guys, and that's having guys always ready to take the next step upward. Penn State did not have enough guys who were ready to take that next step upward, as in real legitimate playing time and contributions at wide receiver, which is why they had to go. They didn't have a choice. They had to get aggressive in the transfer portal. And they did really, really well there, but you don't want to be in that place. And I I think wide receiver was really the only spot where they were in that place. So I think that probably says something about the way they recruited and or developed at the position and maybe kind of feeds into the notion that it was time to move on from Taylor Stubblefield, despite what he had to say on social media. So, yeah, I think wide receiver, you know, you have Carmelo Taylor um, got involved in this class. And I think that's that's a nice, nice get. But, you know, ultimately, I think you would rather not be in this position 
um, that, that you'd rather be in a place where transfer portal is a luxury, not a necessity. All right, Dustin, in the minute we have left, I'm skipping the one that got away because I want to go on a high note. This team also finished strong with their recruiting, didn't they? They did, you know, and, and that's both signing periods. Kavion Keys was the December signing period, and then Chimney Ano was was the um was the February signing period. A great finish at two positions where they, they wanted to keep getting stronger and stronger. They're um you know, I, I think two late um hits, you know, and I think Late connections were also a, a storyline in last class, Vega Iwane, for example, in, in that class. So now you have a couple classes in a row where Penn State put a little cherry on top. You haven't really seen them be a team that has a lot of drama on signing days. They've only had good drama on signing days, and this was true again in February and December. It is always nice to get that one last one, the one that you maybe weren't sure about. And it just adds, like you said, it's it's the cherry on top. Dusty, that has to be it for our show. It was a fun one today. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.